0: Welcome to Inside New Mexico. I'm Derek Underhill, and I'm talking with the chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico, former congressman of the Second Congressional District of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. Steve, how are you doing this week? We're well, doing well. We're wrapping up this summer very quickly and moving towards
1: fall. When we get into that, now we're one year away from the next election cycle. Thank goodness. Uh, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> it's just the, the Congress and the Senate, uh, but uh, we and can governor. limit Joe Biden's effectiveness.
0: Yeah, and governor.
1: And the governor, yes, we're uh, absolutely going to take the governor's seat. So a lot of action still to be had here in the next year.
0: All right, our big story continues to be what's going on in Afghanistan and uh, the people being left behind and the equipment being left behind. Imagine having to go fight now the Taliban and being shot at with our own bullets.
1: It is so disruptive uh, what this administration has done in Afghanistan. It's because they have no appreciation for the use of military force. They don't understand it, they don't appreciate it, and therefore they discount it. They're like rookies in a high-stakes game. So what the Biden administration has done is damage the respect that worldwide nations have for the U.S. I can remember we were set to go to a national prayer breakfast one year when I was in Congress. The king of Jordan was going to be speaking. I know him personally, really respect him. His sister actually was going to be sitting at the table. We were hosting her. Then that's when that Jordanian pilot was killed by terrorists, and he simply excused himself. He and his sister went back to Jordan. He said on the way out that we must deal with these things, or they'll think that they can get by with it. And someone asked what he was going to do, and he said, we're going to go kill the people who killed our pilot. And that's what people understand in the Middle East. They understand force. And when we backed out of Afghanistan, no one in that region is going to trust us again ever. And so that's the damage that the Biden administration has done. But then if you want to look at what we left behind, just 208 total aircraft. That includes 29 of those Brazilian A-29 Super Tucano ground attack aircraft, four C-130s. I flew C-130s in Vietnam. These are much upgraded models. They're very, very good military weapons. There were 30 of the military Cessnas, the Scan Eagle military drones. 50 scout attack helicopters, 45 Black Hawk helicopters, 75,000, almost uh, 76,000 Just vehicles, Ford Rangers, F-350s, Ford vans, Toyota pickups, armored security vehicles, 2,000 armored vehicles, including Humvees and MRAPs. Then that's just the equipment and the aircraft. If you go down and start looking at the weapons, it will frighten you that our young men and women are now going to have to go into battle against what we left behind at least 600,000 small arms, M16s, M249 saws, M24 sniper systems, 50 calibers, 1,394 M203 grenade launchers, M134 miniguns, 20 millimeter Gatling guns and ammunition, 61,000 M203 rounds. 20,000 hand grenades, howitzers, mortars, and 1,000 rounds of ammunition for the mortars, 162,000 pieces of encrypted military communications gear, 16,000 night vision goggles, the newest technology night vision scopes, thermal scopes, thermal monogoggles. goggles, 10,000 2.75-inch air-to-ground rockets, reconnaissance equipment, explosive ordnance, plastic explosive, shape charges, C4, or Simtex thermite incendiaries, 2,520 bombs, administration encrypted cell phones and laptops, all operational, pallets with millions of dollars in US currency, millions of rounds of ammunition, including but not limited to 20 million rounds of 7.62. We can't get any ammunition on the shelves here, but we just gave the enemy 20 million rounds of 7.62, 9 million rounds of 50 caliber, a large stockpile of plate carriers and body armor. So uh, they now are going to have the same defense in the terrorist groups that we have. These are just a few of what we left behind, billions of dollars. And again, you can't state strongly enough the damage to our reputation among our allies and our friends. Just think how Israel is going to perceive us now. Israel is our first line of defense. When it comes to the Middle East, Israel fights terrorism every day. If we support Israel, then we are supporting our own national defense. And imagine what Israel is now saying about the U.S. and our commitment to our allies. The articles coming out from the State Department leave you aghast. They're saying that maybe we've brought out 15 to 20,000 people. It looks like maybe less than 1,000 of those people are actually Americans. So we still have somewhere around 15 or 20,000 Americans on the ground there that nobody knows how we're going to get them out.
0: Are we vetting the people that aren't American before we bring them? I see we're all excited because we're bringing some of these people from Afghanistan here to New Mexico. Are we vetting them? Do we know that we're not bringing terrorists over?
1: We're not vetting any of them. That's the reason Ted Cruz, after After he visited El Paso this last week, he said that, wait, we want to support our friends, but we're letting anybody who can get to the airport, we're letting them on the plane. We don't vet anybody. We don't have their names. And he's saying, let's take them to one of our allies somewhere in the region and vet them there before we bring them here. El Paso seems to be one of the big holding spots, but then we're also going to use Holloman Air Force Base just came out in the news as being one of the places where they're going to put these Afghan refugees. I absolutely think that we should be taking care of our friends and allies and the people who worked with us. I remember seeing what happened to the Vietnamese who helped us, and it was not a pretty picture. Right now, the Taliban has in their hands all of the names and addresses of everyone who worked with us. That was the result of the way that Joe Biden decided to evacuate out of Afghanistan. He let all of those records be taken, and now then the Taliban is going door to door and searching for the Afghans who were loyal to us. We're not vetting anyone coming in here, but the Taliban is looking very closely and vetting. And if you've got any relationship at all with the U.S., you're just killed right there. And so it's a catastrophe in every single regard. The media is all over how gracious we are and how we're bringing these Afghan refugees in. We're not checking anybody. We're not checking their crime status. We're not checking their health status. We're not checking to see if they actually worked with us, for us, or against us. And so, no, we should not uh, be doing it the way that we're doing. Ted Cruz had it right.
0: The technology you mentioned that we left there, some of that's going to be beyond the ability of the Taliban. But uh, you think they'll have an auction to the Chinese and to the Russians and the rest of the world on selling our technology for a price?
1: That's what happened in Iraq. We left a lot of weapons in Iraq when we bailed out of there and that's exactly what they did they sold them to the chinese to the russians uh they sold them uh, to the terrorist groups around the world who could use them the damage is incredible there are those in the country who are saying that this is part of the marxist plan to hand over weapons that this maybe was even by design even if it wasn't by design It was one of the most horrific acts of leadership that I've seen. Now, one of the elements that uh, is starting to surface, and uh, Dick Morris, in one of his daily reports, talks about the fact that Joe Biden is hurtling towards the 25th Amendment. Of course, the 25th Amendment is the one that allows a government to replace a president who has become incapacitated, and Dick Morris makes a very good argument, in fact, many arguments, that he ignored the intelligence. He made decisions that didn't seem to be cohesive with any other decisions. He ignored his military commanders. He agreed with the Taliban, called them our partners, I think is what his term was there. And so I would urge you to go on Dick Morris, take a look at his comments about Joe Biden hurtling towards the 25th Amendment, because I think you're going to to see that playing out. In addition, Now that articles of impeachment have been filed by Republicans, a couple of the Republicans have submitted those as the minority. We're not going to be able to push much, but still it's critical that the Biden actions do approach treason. And so those are questions that should be asked by the Congress, that impeachment process that we saw on President Trump is justified in this case. They never had anything on Trump, but they made things up. The Justice Department created things out of thin air in order to say that he should be prosecuted through the impeachment. But now then the world sees what's happening in Afghanistan, the turning over of all of those pieces of equipment that we went through just a moment ago. And so. We're in for a very, very rough four years. The world is much less safe this week than it was two weeks ago because of the Biden actions in Afghanistan.
0: Steve Pierce and I will return in just a moment with more Inside New Mexico.
2: National
1: Guard and Reserve members are true leaders, both in the military and in the workplace. They are highly skilled and get the job done every day employer support of the guard and reserve esgr can help you recruit top-notch service members to your workforce hiring guard and reserve members is good for your business and good for your community visit esgr.mil
2: employers to learn more
0: Welcome back to Inside New Mexico. I'm talking with Steve Pierce, our chairman of the Republican Party of New Mexico. In our last segment, we were talking about the possibility of impeaching President Biden for his failure in Afghanistan. And Steve, if you do that, you know what you get, a president Kamala Harris. And I'm not sure she wouldn't have done the same thing Biden did.
1: Yeah, they're all working with advisors. I don't think for a moment that Biden is making these decisions. In fact, I really have A hard feeling against his wife for letting him be put in this position to be called in front of the press and he can't remember to put someone in the position and allow them to be stuck in as president of the United States in these very difficult times. Shame on the family and shame on the Democrat Party for doing that. Kamala Harris is equally inept. She doesn't have a clue about any of these issues. She was not one of the people that got into the Senate and worked hard to understand the issues. She, in fact, was just sort of using the office and enjoying the limelight. I respect people on the other side who dig in and understand and can argue from a progressive point of view or from a Democrat point of view. I respect that. I may not agree with it, but at least you can get on common ground. When you got advisors out there who don't have any skin in the game, they're invisible. And so I saw this a lot with staff. They would try to live vicariously through their boss either in this case the president or the vice president and they're not accountable for a thing that leads to very radical suggestions that they don't ever have to answer for and the press right now is not asking any difficult questions to harris or to biden or anyone on the democrat side it's atrocious what we're seeing coming out of the White House. And uh, so, no, if we had uh, Vice President Harris step in, then that would be catastrophic. But then you look, the third in sequence is the Speaker of the House. That would be Nancy Pelosi. And so that's the status of the Democrat Party today, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and Nancy Pelosi. What do they know about running even a company, much less a country? And so got a very, very difficult three to four years ahead of us.
0: Speaker Egoff here in New Mexico says that the surplus of money that we have in the state is due to Democrat policies. What do you say?
1: Well, absolutely not. There are two things that are bringing a surplus to the state. Number one, the oil and gas industry. The price of oil is up again. President Biden shut down a lot of the future drilling, but there were projects that were in the pipeline. and Those projects are ongoing, resulting in tremendous revenue for the state of New Mexico And that's the single biggest factor. But also the stimulus plans coming out of the federal government, a lot of that money was going straight to states. They knew that the states could not bail themselves out. They can't print money. But if they got enough money from the federal government, then that helps balance the books. And so the policies absolutely are not working that the Democrats are putting into place. Just take a look at the crime. If you want a single example of where money won't solve the problem, you're not going to solve the problem until you start enforcing the law. When you turn people out of prison who were criminals before, and you turn them out uh, before they've paid their debts to society, chances are they're going to end up back on the streets. And that's exactly what we're seeing going on right now. The crime is exploding in New Mexico. Albuquerque has already broken its record, and that's just a sad referral to the fact that we have to keep records on how many people are killed in a city. But Albuquerque has already broken its own record, and we're not even into the ninth month of the year. And so that's what people in Albuquerque are facing. But across the country, crime is up tremendously as police departments are defunded, their hands are tied behind their back to where they can't go out and do their jobs. And so we're seeing a failure of the policies with regard to crime, the policies on the southern border, the immigration policies, total failure. Even the Supreme Court just this last week said, wait, we're going to say that you have to put that Trump era plan back in place where you check everybody out that's looking for asylum, you don't bring them in here and turn them loose never to see them again. You take them to a different country and let them go through the court process to decide if it's asylum or not. And so that policy is failing. The inflation shows that the Democrat policies are failing. We have so much inflation because we printed so much money. When you print money, what you had before is worth less. And so inflation is a hidden tax that is really hurting Americans now. you fill up your car. Before you're paying 30 bucks or so to fill up your car. Now you'll be paying 60 bucks. So families are going to have trouble making ends meet. And now then this week, the Congress is going back in and starting discussion. The Democrats are starting discussion on raising your taxes. So you've got the effect of inflation cutting your buying power. Now then in order to pay for all these crazy programs that they're putting into place, the Democrats are going to raise your taxes. And so that policy is not working. You can go, one after another after another at the policies that Democrats have put into place and understand that no, they're not working. The Democrats have been in charge of New Mexico for 90 years. 90 years ago was the last time Republicans had a majority in the House and the Senate. I know we've occasionally had governors, but without a House and a Senate, then you're going to not be able to get your legislation passed. You can veto legislation as a governor, but you will not be able to get things passed. And so the Democrats own the horrid situation in New Mexico and know the policies are not working.
0: Did we make a mistake getting rid of the bail system? Is that part of the reason we have so much crime?
1: That was a major part of the problem. Remember the Victoria Martin's case. She was the 11-year-old girl that her mother was selling her into prostitution at 11 years old in order to stop her from screaming. She uh, started feeding her meth. She and her meth head boyfriend fed her enough meth that it killed her, and then they dismembered her body, and the judge turned them loose, saying that the crime didn't rise to the level of horrific i'm sorry you got a sick judge in uh, charge that would say that kind of a thing we just need to get rid of our judges we need to get the system cleaned out here and hold the criminals accountable for their actions
0: as i mentioned earlier we have a race for governor coming up in new mexico and i will be talking to one of the candidates for governor coming up in our next segment on inside new mexico
2: Attention, New Mexico veterans. If you were honorably discharged from the U.S. Armed Forces, you've earned state and federal benefits, and the New Mexico
1: Department of Veteran Services is standing by to assist you. State benefits include a veteran's property tax exemption, education and training, and transportation services. We can also assist with claims for federal VA benefits. The State of New Mexico and this radio station thank you for your service. More information at nmveterans.org or
0: 1-866-433-8387. This is Inside New Mexico, and we have quite a few Republicans who would like to be governor of New Mexico come next year. One of them is in the studio with me. Her name is Ethel Meharg. We see whoever is the governor on TV, but it's a majorly an administrative position. It is.
2: Yeah. It is. You're overseeing, basically, employees and staff and your cabinet positions and seeing where everything is and Basically, you have a, I guess, for lack of a better word, a bird's eye view, and you have to have vision over the entire state, the entire organization, so that you can see where the holes are where what it needs fixing.
0: Sure. And uh, so being the mayor of Cuba, and I realize Cuba is not the largest mm-hmm. city in New Mexico, but you've had to work with a city council. I did. Just like you'd have to work with the legislators in New Mexico. So mm-hmm. you have some experience there. I have. Yeah. So what is it you're doing now for a living?
2: I am currently the executive director of right to life committee of New Mexico. I've been here for that's almost three years. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, I served in CareNet uh, care net pregnancy centers for five years before that. And then many, many things I sold, many things I tell my <laughs> sold, everything from soup to nuts, but I did, I had a, I did party plans. I did whatever I needed to do to just keep the bills paid. Sure. So I did that. So I have a lot of experience in building teams. And so, That's a good thing. I built teams of a couple hundred people. So I know how to lead people. I know how to encourage and rally the troops to do things that need to get done.
0: Have you ever had to make payroll?
2: I have. The economy had turned. My husband had lost his job. And uh, we ended up being homeless, believe it or not. Yeah. So, but you know, hey, we made it. We moved in with my mom and we lived there for 12 months. Well, maybe 14. And we lived with her, with our kids. And we were in the process of opening up a small business. So- I used to do hair. I was a barber. Oh, wow. You know, so when I went back, we went and opened up a hair shop and it went great. I was just very diligent. I took care of my business, didn't uh, pay attention to what everybody else was doing, but I grew to be like the busiest hair shop in Cuba and it was very successful. So that's what I did. So I had to make payroll then.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let's say you were governor in 2020. How would your administration have handled the pandemic?
2: Well, I believe that people are pretty smart, frankly. I believe that people can make their own decisions and that I don't think that you need to scare the tar out of them to get them to do what you want them to do. I think if you give them good information, I think that they would have done the right things themselves. I completely disagree with what's being done. From the very beginning when this all started, I could see right through what was taking place. And I knew it was political from the word go. My husband was in the hospital. He'd been there for a month. I moved into the hospital to help take care of him. And I remember them saying, well, it's going to affect the frail and the elderly. And I thought, well, that sounds like the flu. And then, then came this. says, you're going to have to stay away from large gatherings. And I thought, I knew that moment right there, what this was all about. And it was preventing the groundswell, the movement that was taking place of people that wanted to make sure that the next election was good. So that's my... Mm -hmm. I just was looking at it but I believe for the pandemic itself I think people are smart enough to take care of themselves and I think that all the programming on the digital billboards they're just fear inducing they were just meant to get people to comply the shortages of toilet paper give me a break I look at that and I thought how foolish are we we're fighting over toilet paper and paper towels I mean to me that is so foolish but I think that people have the capability to make better choices for themselves. And I think had they not pulled beds away and things like this from the hospital, they would have had the ability to take care of the people that were sick. And really, dark. you don't quarantine the well, you quarantine the sick. And the population, the percentages of people that were sick were not the entire population, it was a fraction of it. I don't want people to think, well, she's hard-hearted. Or no, you know, I feel really bad. I just, I actually have a friend whose son just died like last Saturday of COVID and it breaks my heart because she's a dear friend. Mm -hmm. We were there with her through the whole time at least praying for her and helping her get through this. So that's not what I mean but I'm thinking had they had the proper medical information and attention and not been censored because that has happened and there's medicine that has been working forever and it wasn't given. It was actually I believe kept from people and so I would have just kept the people, informed them, let them make their own decisions. I think that that would have been the smartest thing to do. And I would have not, not induced fear. I would have not shut down churches. I would have not done all the things that they did. And again, I think it was to induce fear and to control the population.
0: Talking with Ethel Mayharg, who would like to be the governor of New Mexico. And Ethel, do you believe that a pandemic supersedes both the state and U.S. Constitution?
2: No, sir, I do not there's nowhere that it stays in the constitution that you shut down everything and you destroy people's livelihoods and their economy and their lives because you think you can.
0: How about crime? We have a big problem with crime in New Mexico. What would you do about that?
2: Well, for one, I would reinforce the forces. Now in Albuquerque, the sad reality is that they have cut their staff down to half. They are down to 600 as opposed to the 1200 that they should have. All right. So, when you have half of your staff, how can you do the full job that you can? They also have sixty of those officers doing paperwork, you know, and that is too. under
0: those Justice Department rules, right? That's, You're right. Yeah.
2: and so you have to support the police. You have to protect the police. Now, you know, I'm not saying that they're all right. I mean, there's nobody that's perfect, right? But if one commits a crime, punish the one.
0: Texas and Arizona have sent the National Guard to their southern borders. What should New Mexico do?
2: The same. I get really upset over the flashing signs. They just tick me off. Those flashing, the vaccine, the mask. Put your mask back on. Vaccine, vaccine, and all the, again more fear mongering for the people. So they really just tick me off to see them. And so the problem I have with that, if it wasn't just to let people know and inform them, okay, that's it. But that's not what it's for. But the problem I have with that is that they were like Delta is up again. Fear, fear, fear. Oh, it's terrible. You listen to her speak. It's terrible. Well, shut the border because when you have 800 undocumented, unaccompanied minors cross over and 600 of them have COVID, why do you think the spike came up? It wasn't because of New Mexicans. It was because they were brought over across the border. So you want to stop COVID? Shut the border
0: have you ever been convicted of a felony no i'm talking with ethel mayharg who would like to be the governor of new mexico and uh, ethel if people are liking what you're saying and want to find out more about you how would they do that
2: they can go to my website and that is maharg for f-o-r governor dot com so it's amazon mom i always spell it because right. it's a different name yes it's amazon mom a h is in harry a r g is in good F-O-R-G-O-V-E-R-N-O-R dot
0: So they can contact you there if they want to ask questions through yes. email. I'm sure you have a Facebook page and all
2: that. I do. I have a Facebook page. And if they go to the website, they can actually ask questions on there.
0: Ethel, thank you for your
2: time. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you having me.
0: If you missed part of the program today and want to find out what you missed, go to the Republican Party of New Mexico website. That is www.gopnm.org. And all the programs we do are there for you to listen to. You can also find out more information about the Republican Party of New Mexico. The party has a Facebook page and a Twitter account. The handle is at NewMexicoGOP. If you would like to talk to somebody at Republican Party headquarters in person, maybe you have a question or want to get involved, call 505-298-3662. That's 505-298-3662. For Steve Pierce, I'm Derek Underhill. We look forward to meeting with you again next week, right here on Inside New Mexico.